0: Did you miss Canty and Carlin?
2: I tell you what, we posted a picture earlier today from yesterday when we were both wearing sunglasses and I said, caption this. Yeah. We got some good ones. Yeah, we did. I'll let you know later, but let's just put it this way. One of the highlights, man, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover really let themselves go. Really? (laughs) <laughs> Riggs Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus We are presented by Progressive Insurance You know what Chris Canty likes to do? He likes to rank things He likes to tell you who's number one So let's find out after week one Who's number one
0: Each week, only one team can top Canty's NFL power rankings No more. Who? Who's number one? Find out now It's who's number
2: one It's pure mayhem, and this mayhem moment is brought to you by Allstate. Get protected from mayhem this year when you switch and save with Allstate. Canty, let us
0: begin. Number five, the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm. Now, in full disclosure, in my preseason power rankings, I had the Cincinnati Bengals fourth, and so they slide down a spot after their overtime loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you're asking me, well, why didn't they slide out of the top five altogether? Well, I'll tell you why. Because their quarterback didn't play or practice in the preseason. He had appendicitis. And he stepped in in week one and had five turnovers and played awful in the first half of that game, only to bring his team back in the second half of that game and give them a chance to win the game. Had it not been from the backup snapper, the holder, and the kicker, You're probably talking about Cincinnati putting that thing on ice at the end of the fourth quarter as time expires with the conversion of the PAT, but they didn't do that. The PAT gets blocked by Minka Fitzpatrick. They actually had a chance in overtime, but thanks to the cut-rate law firm of Wilcox, Huber, and McPherson, (laughs) that's the specialist, the snapper, the holder, and the kicker, they ended up missing that field goal and giving the Pittsburgh Steelers an opportunity and, of course, Chris Boswell positions himself 55 yard field goal right through the uprights the Pittsburgh Steelers get out of there but I still have the Cincinnati Bengals as one of the five best teams in the National Football League they're just that good because their quarterback is that good
3: number four
0: the Baltimore Ravens making their appearance Mm. in the top five in the National Football League listen I know that offense got out to a slow start they didn't run the ball against the Jets the way that I thought they would but that's in part because Rob Sala wouldn't let him. They dropped extra defenders down in the box. Safeties were living at the line of scrimmage, which allowed Lamar Jackson to take advantage of one-on-one coverage downfield. Did you see the pass that Lamar Jackson threw to Devin DuVernay in the third quarter? Colin, it was Pat Mahomes-esque. And what I mean by that is, it was a no-look. Not to mention the absolute laser for 59 yards that he threw to Rashad Bateman. Let me tell you something. If Pat Mahomes, I mean... If Lamar Jackson continues to be the downfield passer that we saw against the Jets the way that we saw it, you could be talking about him putting together an MVP season. Number three. This, this is going to sound odd, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are checking in at number three. And yeah. I know they didn't look good against the Dallas Cowboys, Carlin. I know they got concerns along the offensive line, but their defense held the Dallas Cowboys offense to 12 first downs and to three points. I believe in the identity of this team on the defensive side of the ball. It's not going to look like the way it did the first couple of years that Tom Brady was down in Tampa. He's not going to throw for 40-plus touchdown passes. This is going to be a defensive-led team, and then Tom Brady's going to do just enough on offense to make sure that they're a championship contender. Number two. Yeah, Pat Mahomes was 30 or 39, 360 yards and five touchdowns and no interceptions. So, yeah, number two is the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs went through the Arizona Cardinals defense like a knife through hot butter. It was surgical, Carlin. It was 23-7 at halftime, and the game wasn't that close. The game wasn't as close as the final score was, which was 44-21. I mean, Pat Mahomes was spraying the ball around to all his different receivers. Nine receivers caught passes from Pat Mahomes on Sunday, Carlin. Six of them had three or more catches. We asked ourselves, is he going to be able to survive life without Tyreek Hill? He might be a tad premature, but I think Pat Mahomes is going to be okay. Number one, the Buffalo Bills. Mm. I thought the Buffalo Bills were the best team top to bottom coming into this year, and I didn't see anything in the kickoff game on Thursday night to sway me in any way, shape, form, or fashion. This Josh Allen dude is a problem. I mean, he's every bit the runner that Cam Newton was at the quarterback position but he's a much more accomplished passer than Cam Newton was. And dare I say, he's got a much better receiver than Cam Newton ever had in Stephon Diggs. I'm just telling you, this Buffalo Bills team is going to be a tough out. The only team in the NFL that returned a top five offense and a top five defense, they took the reigning defending world champs to task on the road to start the season. That's hard to do considering 14 out of the last 16 Super Bowl winners have won their home openers. This Buffalo Bills team is legit.
2: I have to say that that list was flawless. Flawless.
0: Flawless.
2: Flawless. Um, there's nobody that I could argue right now that A, doesn't belong, or B, somebody who's not on the list who does belong right now. The one thing I would say, what do we notice about this list? There is one NFC team. Yeah. One. And, Chris, look up and down the NFC. mm who in week one impress you in the NFC? Maybe Minnesota, the Minnesota Vikings. yeah, maybe, but I can't put them in the top five in the league. Hell no. I could barely put them in the top 10. I could put them in the top five of the NFC, but boy, Chris, it could be a really long year for the
0: NFC. You, you know what, Carlin, and here's the thing. there are two teams in the NFC that I'm intrigued by. And it just so happens that they play on Monday Night Football or ESPN <laughs> in week two, and that would be the Philadelphia Eagles and the Minnesota Vikings. I want to see what those two teams are because they had things in week one that really impressed me. And I'm bullish on the Eagles. I said coming into this year they're going to win the NFC East, and now with the Dak Prescott injury, I think that's going to be going away. We felt like the Minnesota Vikings could be a playoff team. I want to see what these two teams are and they're matching up. I didn't like the fact that the Lions hung 35 I points on the Philadelphia could Eagles. could not agree more. I didn't like that fact. That would have been my only argument otherwise. But I think the Lions might be better than a lot of people are giving them credit for. Don't so we'll So we'll have to wait and see with that. But this Philadelphia Eagles team I want to see more from and the Minnesota Vikings I want to see more from too because that offensive line for the Green Bay Packers was a shell of itself. So those are two teams that I'm excited to watch watch matchup in week two because those are two teams that I think can make some noise in the playoffs this season that list again flawless outstanding brilliant can't be better
2: can't be beat can't be better so is he wrong 888 say ESPN 888-729-3776 and there is something about the number one team the Buffalo Bills that is not getting discussed enough. People that we have to talk about, and it's a major concern moving forward. And this is not like, you know, oh, we're trying to tantalize you with a little tease. No, this is I'm a real a, thing. This, this is, is a real a thing. Very, very real thing. Yeah. that we have got to be discussing, and we will do so next. Eight 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 say ESPN. Eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Yes, you and the buffalo bills next passion drive and patience the formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle
1: Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza, better because it has to be.
2: Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Listen, whether you want to believe it or not, Josh Allen continuing to not just take hits, but to initiate contact, that's, that's an issue. And he's got to be careful. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. And on ESPN Plus, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Here he is appearing on Kyle Brandt's Basement, which is his podcast. And he's talking about, uh, was asked by Kyle about Devin Singletary saying Allen was laughing during the stiff arm he laid on Nick Scott. I can neither confirm nor deny those allegations. Um, (laughs) But I love football, man. I love playing the game, everything that that, that there is about it. Um, There's one thing I do hate, it's losing. But being able to go and stick my uh, body on the line for my teammates on a third down, try to keep the chains moving, um, that's really all I was trying to do. Again, that's how I've always played. Um, That's how I'll continue to play, you know, as long as uh, I'm allowed to. And, And, again, I play this game one way, and that's my way. Chris, there's a difference between playing the game your way and playing the game in a smart way. Mm. And to me, I don't want Josh Allen to not be himself. But I also can't have him initiating contact in some situations, which, frankly, when he runs the football as violently as he does at times, it looks like he almost seeks out contact.
0: Well, here's the thing. I want him to pick and choose his spots. And I'm sorry, but in the kickoff game, setting the tone against the reigning defending world champions and that kind of being one of those measuring stick opportunities for how your season is going to go, I have no problem with Josh Allen going ahead and stiff-arming Nick Scott at all. As a matter of fact, as a defensive player, if I see my quarterback doing that, that's going to get me fired up. That sets a tone for how the entire season is going to go, and that shows that there's a level of urgency with your quarterback That should permeate throughout the rest of the team and throughout the rest of that building. So I have no issue with Josh Allen doing it. And I'm going to take it a step further, Carlin. Josh Allen is a unique weapon in the National Football League. I said it before. He's every bit the runner that Cam Newton was when Cam Newton was an MVP in 2015. But he was a much more accomplished passer than Cam Newton has ever been. And so when you have that, you have to make sure that you use everything that Josh Allen is bringing to the table. So when you have short yardage situations, third and three or less, and it's got to have it, why not let Josh Allen be his own blocker? Because guess what? If your quarterback is the primary runner, the defense can't draw up a scheme that can stop. It just can't. The hope is, as a defense, you hit the quarterback so hard that you talk him out of it. I'm not saying that this is something that the Buffalo Bills need to major in. This ain't something that Sean McDermott needs to do every single game. And quite frankly, this is something that Josh Allen needs to understand that he shouldn't do every single game. But make no mistake about it. Josh Allen as a runner has to be a part of what the Buffalo Bills are going to do if they're going to be a true championship contender.
2: Completely agreed on that front. It's just how he goes about it. Like you need to – there are times you need to avoid hits. Now, I'm not going to say on a third and three in – opening week that you shouldn't go and try to do that and set a tone. I get that completely. Okay. I'm talking about moving forward here. You're talking about Cam Newton. Cam Newton was drafted in 2013. He's out of the league. I think part of that has to do with... No, he was drafted before that. 20...
0: He was drafted before 2013. Maybe 2011. 2011. 2011. Excuse me.
2: 2011, he's out of the league. Mm -hmm. All right? And he was a shell of himself the last couple of years, Mm -hmm. except for a few games here and there. Yeah. So... You've got that, you've got, and, and granted, I am not trying to compare the players. All I'm saying is the style of play. RG3 was fantastic, really, I think it was his second year. He had a terrific year, whether it was the no, it was end first of his year. first year. It was, it was first his year. First, year. first year. Had a terrific year.
0: 2012, yeah. He's
2: out of the league, uh, mainly because of injuries, and up until the point where that hampered his ability to play at that level.
0: Is that fair? That's fair, but I will say this. Wasn't as good of a player. Both of those those players were much more reliant on being runners than Josh Allen is. Much more reliant. Okay, Uh,
2: my thing about Josh Allen is simply this. I don't want to lose everything else he does for the length of a career for a three- or four-year amazing stretch. If they win three or four Super Bowls, okay. I just want to be careful that if I'm Josh Allen – I am making the right decisions for the long term. It's not making a business decision to bail on running. It's, let me get out of bounds. It's, let me slide in some instances. That's all. Not seek out knocking a guy over like a train.
0: Well, a lot of that is going to have to be built in through the play call, right? Like, yeah. the play call is going to have to put some guardrails in there. That's on the offensive coordinator. That's on the head coach. So, Ken Dorsey, Sean McDermott, they got to figure that part of it out because – the player can't play football careful, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, Josh Allen has to be instinctive. He has to do the things that actually got him to this point where but, he developed into the one of the best quarterbacks in the league.
2: But there's a way to do that in a in a smarter way, isn't there? I mean, do you want your quarterback going out
0: and trying to run people
2: over all the time?
0: Or- I didn't say all the time, Carlin. see, that's the thing. It's not an all-the-time proposition, and I think that's what has to be drilled into Josh Allen's head. He needs to know, okay, we need to live to fight another down versus when you push the envelope. It's time, it's score, it's situation. It's all of those things. Where are we at in our season? Where are we at in the standings? Which games are the ones that we're circling as to got to have them? Like, all of those things matter in terms of how you play. And so, I think that's where Sean McDermott and Kevin uh, Ken Dorsey, they've got to make sure they build in some guardrails to protect their young quarterback. And a part of that, Carlin, is telling their young quarterback to turn around and hand the football off. Mm -hmm. Because I still haven't seen the commitment to the running game that I would like to from the Buffalo Bills outside of the quarterback. So that's an area that they can improve. They just extended their tight end, Dawson Knox. Use him on in the short passing game. Get him the ball quickly in the down. Let him do some of the heavy lifting. You got Gabriel Davis. You got Stephon Dix. You got other pieces. Allow those guys to do some of the heavy lifting in terms of moving the offense rather than to ask Josh Allen to do so much all of the time. I, I think that's what you have to do, but you can't just say – we're not going to let Josh Allen run the football. Oh, no. That can't happen.
2: mass. he's a massive weapon in that regard. He's got to be.
0: But when he is
2: running it, he can be smarter to the situation. That's all I'm saying. He cannot put himself in risk in a larger sense in looking at the big picture and taking hits in unnecessary times. And it feels right now. Like Josh Allen does take hits.
0: He takes a lot of hits at
2: unnecessary times.
0: Yeah. like I don't he, love the fact he that, consciously takes. I hits. don't love the fact that he had 10 carries. I don't. I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that I, I love that. but I understand it in the regular season opener against the opponent that they were playing. It makes sense, Carlin. Yes, I get that. There are certain games that are weighted differently than others. Yep. because those are the guys, those are the teams that you're expecting to see. Once you get to the playoffs, the games that actually matter. So for Buffalo to take that kind of stance, for Josh Allen to take that kind of approach, I have zero problem with it. As long as they understand, that ain't what you need to be doing against the New York Jets. Canteen Carlin, ESPN Radio,
2: ESPN Plus. Right now, an MVP statement is being made. You'll hear all about it.
3: Yo, check this out from Canty and Carlin.
1: The ball is gone! Hitting
3: in this era is more difficult than it's ever been.
2: Swing and a drive, deep left
0: field, Judge Sensen, way out of here.
3: The greatest thing that I've seen
2: covering baseball by a hitter. I gotta stay locked in and never really not try to think about it and, and do my job. He's
1: the best player this franchise has seen in a very long time.
2: High fly ball, deep left field, there it goes! It has been a show. It has been a show to watch. To be sure, what Aaron Judge is doing this season, absolutely astounding. It is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus, presented by Progressive Insurance. Tim Kirchin, ESPN MLB analyst, joins us right now to help us. Put into perspective what Aaron Judge is doing this season and even a little more insight on the races as they stand. But, Tim, let's start here. Last night, Nats Park in D.C., you're throwing out the first pitch to your brother, who I know is dealing with ALS. Just what did that moment just mean to you?
1: Well, it was really emotional, and it was really important. My brother, Matt, He's a year older than me, was a great college baseball player. And now he has trouble walking and trouble talking. But last night I threw out the first ball and my brother, an ALS patient caught it. I mean, that's pretty hard to do, but only my brother could figure out something like that. We played catch in the front yard a couple of days before he figured out how to do it. And, uh, as we try to bring some sort of understanding to what ALS is, that's what last night was so important to get across to anyone who was there that my brother, who's had this over a year and a half, closer to two years, is has still fought it to the point where he could catch a baseball thrown firmly from 30, 40 feet away. It was really cool. It was really impressive. And the hug I gave my brother after that was to me what this was all about just we have to fight this disease and bring awareness to it
2: uh, Tim I saw the video is it, it was just absolutely terrific to see and and really uh, enjoyed that now let's get into a little bit of what we're seeing here with Aaron's judge which is just off the charts right now um how do you put this into perspective in the grand scheme
1: well, it's it's one of the best seasons that I've seen in a long time, and I've covered for 42 years. And it's not just because he's going to hit 60 homers. It's because of the way he's become such a tremendous all round player. I mean, he's a 6'7", 282-pound leadoff guy at the moment. He plays center field. He doesn't just hit for power. He's got a chance to win the Triple crown. He just had seven consecutive games where he reached base at least three times. That's really hard to do in this day and age. I mean, only Ruth with eight and Gary with nine had a longer streak in the history of the Yankees. So right with one more homer, he's going to tie for the most home runs with Hank Greenberg and Jimmy Fox for most home runs by a right-hand hitter in the history of the American League. And then I think he's going to pass Ruth and Maris and hit more home runs in one season than any player in the history of the American League. You put all that together, and he has done it for a team that has needed him every step of the way. I'm, maybe they're a playoff team without him, but they're certainly not a division winner without Aaron Judge. That's how important he has been to the Yankees in every facet of the game.
0: Tim, as a Yankees fan, how concerned should I be about the pitching staff, in particular the bullpen, once we get to October?
1: Yeah, the bullpen needs some work. The bullpen needs to get healthy. But if everybody gets healthy there, and that includes Holmes, who's back, of course, Chapman gets back to his all star form, and everything works out right, the Yankees, even without Chad Green and Michael King, should have a good enough bullpen to make it to the World Series. Um, that's how good that bullpen is when even the unhealthy guys get healthy, that they'll be in really good shape. And I think the same about the rotation, that if they can get everybody back and healthy, uh, it's, a, it's a very good rotation. But those are big ifs right now, and the Astros are standing in the way. And I just did a game of theirs the other day. That team is loaded, loaded, especially in the bullpen and mostly in their rotation.
2: Tim Kirchin, ESPN MLB analyst, joining us. You know, with Tim, with Judge uh, at this juncture, he, um, people are going to debate about what's real and what's not in terms of the records. And it kind of struck me earlier today uh, that I had a, a little bit of residual sadness from the steroid era in the fact that we actually have to have that discussion and maybe it takes a little something away from what Judge is doing. What is your read on something like that?
1: Well, I'm really sad, too, because this is the hardest issue that I've had to deal with in all the years I've covered. What do we do with the PED users? What do we do with these records? And I'm not suggesting I'm right about any of this, but look, the all-time record holder for homers in a season is Barry Bonds. He hit 73. It's right there in the record book. And we can't, I just don't believe it's a practical thing to start taking things away because we just don't know exactly who did what at what time. So I leave it up to our best baseball fans to make their own determination who hit the most homers in a season ever, whether it was McGuire or Sosa or Bonds or Maris or... Uh, or maybe Aaron Judge now. Just we'll leave it up to our best fans to make their own determination. It's in the record book, and the record book's important, but it's still just a line in a record book. It doesn't tell the whole story, and stories like Aaron Judge this year uh, really complete more of the stories.
0: Tim, last one from me. The NL East race is the closest race as we enter the the stretch run of the regular season, the Braves are just a half game behind the New York Mets who find new and interesting ways to lose series to teams that are (laughs) bottom feeders in, in Major League Baseball. But who do you think ends up winning the division if you had to put a bet on it today?
1: Well, I'm glad I don't have to put a bet because that's going down to the final weekend. I will take the Mets just because of their strength of schedule. As you know, they've only got six games the rest of the year against winning teams, and three are against Atlanta in the second to the last series of the season. Tim, they're on the verge of getting swept by the Cubs. (laughs) I'm well aware. I'm well aware. This is why baseball is the greatest game, is that bad teams never went into Chicago Stadium and beat Michael Jordan, never, Bad teams never went into Foxborough and beat Tom Brady in his prime. It just doesn't happen that way because those guys are touching it on every offensive possession. Doesn't work that way in baseball. I fully expect the Mets to get hot from here. I think they're going to pound away at some of these bad teams, and I think they're going to win 100 games, and they're going to win the division. But the Braves are really good fellas, really, really good. The National League is going to be a free-for-all in October We have four really good teams led by the Dodgers who are going to outscore their opponents by close to 400 runs at this pace. They're going to win 112 games. The Cardinals are really good. The Mets are really good, and the Braves are really good.
2: Tim, awesome stuff. We appreciate it. And, again, you know, just thrilled that you got to have that moment with your brother last night. It was awesome to see.
1: Well, thank you so much for that, fellas, and thanks for having me on. Talk to you soon.
2: Absolutely. Tim Kirchen, ESPN, MLB analyst with us. Look, the Mets are they're getting they're getting
0: a little bit stressful here. <sighs> That's to say the least, man. How do you end up losing series to the Cubs or the likes of the Washington Nationals? Teams that have punted on the season. That makes no sense to me. I don't understand it. Yeah. I don't like it. And this is one of the teams, Carlin, based on the three guys that they got at the top of their Pitching rotation, that can be a tough out for anybody in a short series in the playoffs. I'm going to give you a couple odds real quick. Not to win the whole thing. I'm listening. Just to win the National League. I'm listening. Dodgers
2: are the favorites. Of course. At plus 150. Of course. The Mets are at plus 260. Yeah. The Braves are at plus 400. That sounds like value to me. That sounds like money.
0: That <laughs> sounds like money. That sounds like money, big fella.
2: Oh, I don't know. That
0: sounds like money. Doesn't it sound like a little bit of money to you? <laughs> sounds like it. Okay. We may have to put a little something on that go.
2: Cantia Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN+. Plus. Speaking of money, one major college football program is down, and... Money may be the only way to get them back up. We'll Mm. explain what
3: we're talking about next. ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. You can't miss Canty and Carlin, pound for pound, the biggest show on ESPN Radio.
2: Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. Pete Carroll earlier today, this was on uh, Brock and Salt on 790. He is being up in Seattle. Brock Heward and Mike Salt. And talking about. How important that win was to him the other night. I
3: didn't need the validation. I just mm. wanted it. I just wanted to win. You know I wanted to win for every, all of the reasons that, that that come along with this one. Maybe as much as anything is representing the guys that have played before. It meant a lot to those guys. I was so thrilled to, to be able to hug those guys up and see them and look them in the eye. and Why and, did and, it mean and, so much show, to them? Yeah, you figure that out. They, they, um, but it was really meaningful and they really wanted it. And uh I knew we were playing for a lot more than just the regular stuff. And, and uh, we have a um, and in this night they they realize what you know there was a a big opportunity and and they uh and a big statement to be made you know you know the game isn't about an individual player here or there it's about team this is the ultimate team sport for and it's been stated so many times before it takes everybody and and uh sometimes when so much focus goes you know it just it just rubbed guys wrong i guess whatever i'm thrilled that that we won that game
0: wow it wasn't about the other guys let's be honest about this this is about pete carroll one of the I don't even want to say it the way that I want to say it, but, you know, he wanted to kick Russell Wilson's ass. Yes, he did. With all of the smoke that had been happening over the last three years and the back and forth and the power struggle within the organization and Russ wanting things his way as opposed to Pete Carroll and John Snyder doing it their way. Pete Carroll wanted to show, you see, Russ, you didn't know better than us, and I'm going to prove it to you because I'm going to take a team with lesser talent and kick your you-know-what. And go ahead and take that, put it in your pipe and smoke it on the way back to Denver. Yeah, that's what that was. I don't think. That, I don't. I don't know why he's trying to talk about the guys in the yeah, locker room that, or the saying, guys hey. that have put on the uniform before. It ain't about none of that. It ain't about the 12s. It's about Pete Carroll trying to show I'm bigger than the quarterback that was here that won us the Super Bowl once upon a time. Pete saying, "Let's do. It, let's go do it for KJ Wright." Stop yourself, man. Let's do it for Doug Baldwin,
2: man. Meanwhile, Stop yourself. along those lines. Read to me, uh, read to everybody what you just
0: read to me a second ago. so this is a little bit spicy coming out of the Pacific Northwest. And it kind of delivers the point. It does. Russell Wilson said on the fourth down call by Nathaniel Hackett, Russ was calling a play and they were ready to go, meaning they were ready to go for fourth and five and try to convert to keep the drive alive. Now, Russ said he was backing his head coach all the way until we got this sound and this statement on Wednesday. Foxhole Russ right there. Yeah. This is the guy that you want, huh? Wow. this is The gonna, guy that you just handed this is $290 ninety million to. This is going to get really interesting with the Denver Broncos.
1: Wow. Very after,
0: interesting. He's saying that after one game. Yeah. The
1: snap, the spot, the kick. It's on its way. It is. No oh good. No good. No good. No. By Sloan Lincoln, the Eagles have come to the sea of red and painted it true blue. 45 to 42, it's a final as they celebrate on the field. Take a picture, write a headline, fill a glass, and hug whoever you can find. Georgia Southern's coming home with a Power Five win.
2: Oh, they're rolling in Statesboro. Wow, that was a huge win for Georgia Southern and a nightmare. For Nebraska, and it, of course, cost Scott Frost uh, his job. It is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Nebraska has fallen this far that they actually, in order to get rid of their head coach, were not willing to wait two and a half weeks to fire him so that they could save $7.5
0: million on a buyout. Yeah, they're going to give him the full $15 million buyout.
2: To go away now... Whereas opposed to October 1st, that number would have gotten cut in half. That's how badly they wanted to get rid of them. I didn't realize that corn was so expensive. Well, let me tell you something. Here's the thing about Nebraska it's ridiculously cheap to do a lot of things out there. Like they have built massive facilities. You would see these things and you'd be blown away. And then you'd find out how much they cost, and you'd be like, what? Like, they built a huge basketball arena for $100 million, and it's a gorgeous arena. But the point here is this. It's everything in the the city of Lincoln and in the state, football. And when each Saturday in the fall, when they host a football game, Lincoln, Nebraska becomes the most populated city in that state. Mm. Everybody comes from three four, five hours away to jam that place. They have not gotten back anywhere near where they used to be. Mm. And there are a few schools like that. And the question right now is starting to be asked, can places like Nebraska actually come back and be a powerhouse again like they were? Chris, this is an incredibly uphill battle for these places now because it's not just about N I L and how much money they come up with there. It's not. It's a good portion of it is, but they can come up with the money. Not, but that's my point. Not on the level of Texas. But well, nobody
0: can come no. up with the money that Texas can come up no, with. No, but they Period. they
2: can come up with the money. Certainly. Sure. We just saw them hand out seven and a half million to get rid of the coach.
0: Yeah. They can also,
2: though, have the other problems. The the idea that places like Nebraska are going to be tougher to get players to go because Social media doesn't look great as opposed to playing in Texas as opposed to playing in Nebraska. All these kinds of things add up where they're going to have to overpay to get back to that. And so there, with all of that in mind, there are a lot of people who are campaigning already for
0: Nebraska to back up the truck and hire Urban Meyer. I don't think you're that desperate, are you? Not Urban Meyer. I I just – I don't know if you need to go down that road. You do want to have a proven commodity at the head coach spot, but not Urban Meyer, man. The stink of that guy from what he did in Jacksonville and what he did at Florida and what he did at Ohio State, it's still a stench, man. It really is. Think about this, man. Urban Meyer was the guy turning a blind eye while one of his assistant coaches committed domestic violence. I I just – I don't know. I mean, he was the guy, and instead, I'm going to get caught on video – letting a young girl grind on me in the middle of a bar while I'm getting some man and develop 10. That means you're able to generate a lot of revenue in the college football landscape, the Big Ten and the SEC. So if you can sell, I don't necessarily believe that it's going to be a long turnaround or a long rebuild like some might feel like it could be. Well, there are two
2: things at work here. Number one, it's almost going to be like professional sports from the standpoint that there are cities across the country where you, had, you have always had to overpay guys who are free agents to get them to go there.
0: Yeah. That could be very similar to what we see in Nebraska. But they will probably be willing to do that. And again, Colin, the selling point is yep. you don't have to wait to play. You can play now. Yep. And you can play in the Big Ten. And you can go up against the likes of Michigan. And you can play against Ohio State. And you can play against all of those other programs, USC, UCLA. You'll be able to play against those mm-hmm. teams. You have that. You'll be able to be featured in major markets like New York, like Chicago, like L.A. I don't think it's a tough sell like other people might believe. Now, it's sad that the program had to fire a head coach in Scott Frost that won them a national championship once upon a time because we all thought that that was going to be a storybook ending for both parties. Didn't play out that way. But Scott Frost just wasn't the right guy. I still believe if they get the right guy there, This can be a program that returns to prominence in college football.
2: Yeah, And your your points on Meyer, I wouldn't hire him either. But if we have learned one thing, it is that as much as winning is at a premium in professional sports, it's even more so in college. And there are less scruples in college when it comes to that kind of thing when we're dealing with certain schools. And I'm not saying Nebraska is, like, morally bankrupt. They're not. But ultimately, every fan base is about one thing, and it's winning. And I could absolutely see Urban Meyer back in that position.
3: Check out Canty and Carlin, weekdays on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus.